The Sacramento Kings inaugural NBA in-season tournament run has come to an end at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans, who have now defeated Sacramento three times already this season. I'm not going to lie to you. This loss has me frustrated for a multitude of reasons. I'll break it all down right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off of your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and I can tell how much this in-season tournament truly meant to me by how I feel about tonight's loss. I really, really wanted the Kings to win this game. I really thought that the Kings were going to win this game. I thought that I was going to be headed to Las Vegas. I thought the Kings were going to be headed to Las Vegas, and at the very least, they would face either the Lakers or the Suns, which would have been a tough matchup regardless, in the semifinals with a chance of representing the West in the uh, in the final game on Saturday. I thought for sure the Kings were advancing, and I'm not saying that to undermine the New Orleans Pelicans by any means because they had already beaten the Kings twice coming into this game here tonight. They're a good team. They present a tough matchup for Sacramento, and we're going to get into all that in just a second. But your home floor, a Game 7-type atmosphere in front of a, a, a sellout crowd, a win-or-go-home, and especially with how this game started, I thought the Kings were going to win this. I was not expecting to, to, to be hosting a, a negative podcast at the end of this night. Maybe my expectations were too high for this Kings team. Maybe I didn't give the New Orleans Pelicans enough credit, and I'm here to give you Pelicans fans and the Pelicans team credit tonight. I definitely don't want to, right, because starting a podcast saying credit to the other team, credit to what the Pelicans were trying to do, that's loser talk, and the Kings are losers tonight and I didn't want that to be the case I don't want that to be the case and I'm not happy to be talking like that but the Pelicans absolutely do deserve a ton of credit for how they handled tonight's game how they took control weathered the early storm and maintained control the Pelicans have the Kings number there's just no ifs ands or buts about it and that's one of the three major frustrations that I have in this game first and foremost Sacramento I mean they came out of the gate red hot, right? And it was on both ends of the floor. They built a 15-point lead in the first six minutes of this game. They were getting stops on the defensive end of the floor, getting out in transition. They were red hot from three-point range. Uh, Keegan Murray scored eight points really early on. DeMontis Sabonis was being impactful. Uh, you had Malik Monk immediately come in off the bench, hit some big shots, doing his distribution. De'Aaron Fox wasn't having to score for Sacramento to build their early lead. They were just in a flow. The offense was, was, was humming. Right, The Golden 1 center was popping off. It was just an excellent... There's no better way truly for the Sacramento Kings to have started this game. So they build a 15-point lead in the first quarter. Everything is going their way, right? By the end of the first quarter, that lead was down to just two points. And by midway through the second quarter, the Kings were trailing by 13 points. So again, credit to the New Orleans Pelicans for surviving that early surge 
and turning a 15-point deficit into a 13-point lead in essentially a quarter, from midway through the first quarter to midway through the second quarter, the, the, the Pelicans completely flipped the script. My frustration there comes from the fact that Sacramento, I know the NBA is a game of runs, right? But the Kings, they've done this a handful of times over the last couple of years where they'll get off to a really hot start or they'll build a lead and whether it's them taking their foot off the gas or losing focus or just giving the other team a little bit of slack and then that opposing team just makes a run and comes right back into it. The Kings need to find a way to, especially on their home floor, when they're building significant early leads, that they're able to maintain them. That doesn't mean that they don't give up a run or two from time to time to allow their opponents to get back into the game or cut it down to six points or eight points or whatever it may be. Like The Kings need to do a better job of answering the opposing team's run with a run of their own. Or just, just just nipping it at the bud, right? Stopping it before it snowballs and, and gets out of control like it did in this game. That is an area where Sacramento truly struggles. Now, one of the reasons why the Kings basically fell apart. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They completely fell apart in the for the rest of the first quarter and, and basically most of the second quarter. They fell apart. One of the major reasons why was because of the officiating. Now, typically despite the Sacramento Kings history and big games with officials, right? Typically, I try to avoid blaming officials and and talking about officiating as much as possible. Ultimately, I believe that as impactful as officials can, can be on a game and how much they can change a game... It's up to the Sacramento Kings. It's up to any team to overcome that. And I think a big problem of the Kings that is on them more than is on the officials tonight is they allowed the officials and their frustration with the officials to get the better of them, to knock them out, uh, to, to get them to lose their composure a little bit. Sacramento was clearly bothered by some of the foul calls. DeMontis Sabonis got in early foul trouble. Keegan Murray got in uh, some early foul trouble with, his, uh, with trying to defend Brandon Ingram, and I thought Keegan was actually doing a really good job for a good portion of this game handling Brandon Ingram. Uh, I mean, the the officiating just took the Kings out of it. But at the same time, I understand Sacramento's frustration because I don't know what it is about players putting on a freaking Kings jersey, but if you get hit in the face and you're wearing a Kings jersey, it's, it's apparently your fault, right? De'Aaron Fox is trying to set a screen and... He gets run into, he gets his lip busted open to where he's visibly bleeding in front of the official, in front of everybody, and he's called for an offensive foul. Later on in the game, Trey Lyles called for a defensive foul when I think it was Herb Jones or Trey Murphy, it was somebody, goes up for a, a, a layup. Yes, there was contact, but the elbow of the offensive player connects with the chin of Trey Lyles, and he's the one called for the foul. You have DeMondis Sabonis, who's getting hit in the face multiple times every single game, and more often than that, uh, than not, it's either a foul on Sabonis or it's a no call. I don't understand some of the officiating and why the Sacramento Kings continuously get hit with these fouls that go against them when they're the ones that are, they're not necessarily initiating initiating the contact. The contact is quite literally hitting them in the face, but still it's their problem. I don't like that, right? I'm obviously frustrated by that officiating, and, and it frustrated the Kings too. I'm not using that as an excuse for why the Kings lost this game. 
to make that abundantly clear because the reality is, too, the Kings shot 10 more free throws in this game than the New Orleans Pelicans did. The Kings shot 33 free throws. New Orleans shot 23. So, yes, I'm uh, I'm frustrated with the officiating. Yes, I'm frustrated by the fact that Kings players can get hit in the face and apparently it's it's their fault. We can go all the way back to Mike Bibby getting elbowed in the nose by Kobe Bryant in 2002 and him being called for the foul in, in that screw job, right? We have those memories, those, those, those feelings, that pain that you can't quite suppress when you see moments like this happen again uh, on the floor. As much as I'm frustrated with it, I'm not saying that the Kings lost the game because of the officials. The Kings lost this game because the New Orleans Pelicans just are a bad, bad, bad matchup for Sacramento. It's just the way it is. Some teams have your number and you have some other team's number. Right? There are some teams over the course of the playoff drought for, that for no reason Sacramento has been able to beat despite being a bad team. And here they are as a good team. Last year, it was the Minnesota Timberwolves that gave this Kings team a lot of trouble. This year, it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Their length and physicality is just a problem for Sacramento. And in the next segment, we're going to have a very honest conversation about Harrison Barnes and if the Sacramento Kings need to start looking at a replacement for him at that starting three spot because he's not getting the job done, right? We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Plus, you'll hear Mike Brown talk about Harrison Barnes, the game that he had, and the role that he provides for the Kings. That's coming up, so make sure you stick around. But here's a game where I thought, and if you listened and watched my preview with with, with Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, I talked about how I didn't see anybody on this roster that could stop Zion. So I thought... It was going to be the Zion show, and the Kings needed to do everything that they possibly could to limit everybody else and not let the rest of the team beat you. Zion's going to get his. Just uh, appreciate it for what it is, but don't let the Brandon Ingrams, the Herb Joneses, the Trey Murphys, the C.J. McCollums, the Jonas Valanciunas, don't let those guys beat you. The complete opposite happened. Zion had just 10 points in this game. He only took eight shots. Zion, I'm not saying that he was lazy or nonchalant. Zion did the the right thing of getting out of the way, making his impact when he needed to, but getting out of the way and allowing Brandon Ingram to torch the Kings again for 10 points on 10 of 20 shooting. Also had eight rebounds, six assists. And then the other guys, Herb Jones, 23 points. Jonas Valanciunas, 18 points. C.J. McCollum, 17 points. Trey Murphy, 16 points. The Kings were beaten by the Pelicans team Period. Not just one guy. That is the epitome of this matchup for Sacramento. The Pelicans do a good job defensively with their length and physicality, frustrating the Kings. And then on the offensive end, not only could they not miss a shot tonight, they shot 54% from the field, 45%, 14 of 31 from three-point range, and 82% from the free throw line. Not only were they not missing offensively, but they were getting everything they wanted because of the physicality and because of the way they play. And it also seemed like, especially in the fourth quarter, the Kings were trying to make their push. They got it down to, I think the closest they got was five. Malik Monk hit a three. The Pelicans called timeout. I can't remember if that was late third quarter or early fourth quarter. No, it was late third quarter because the Pelicans did end up getting the lead back up to nine going into the fourth quarter. So the Kings tried to make their runs. And again, credit to the Pelicans for nipping that at the bud and stopping it. Uh, before it got out of hand. They never fully relinquished control. They kept control of this game, which is basically what they've done the entire time they've played the Kings so far this season, with the exception of the first six minutes. But in that fourth quarter, man, every single bounce seemed to be going their way. The Kings would would get a stop, and they'd get an offensive rebound, or the Kings would knock a ball loose, and it'd bounce off a player's foot and go right to another player, or Sacramento would... 
uh, get a stop and then score a two on one end, and then the Pelicans would get a three on the other end. It just seemed everything was going right for New Orleans. Again, they're not lucky that they beat the Kings tonight. Not at all. Everything was going their way because I guess they earned that. They earned that right with how they played against Sacramento tonight. And then the Kings, man, with the exception of that Malik Monk three that cut the lead down to five, Sacramento, I can't tell you how many, especially Kevin Herter in the third quarter, big wide open threes that had the Kings hit, maybe they finally would have taken back control. The Golden One Center was trying to get loud. The Kings crowd was trying to get energized and they, they made as much noise as they possibly could to keep the Kings involved and keep the Kings in it. But every time there was that big like back-breaking three-point shot that would cut the lead down to four or maybe even could put the Kings with a chance to take the lead, Sacramento just could not hit those big shots all night long. Just a frustrating, frustrating night on all facets for Sacramento. And now they will watch the rest of the NBA in-season tournament from their couches. We got to talk about Harrison Barnes, and we're going to do that here in just a second. Before that, though, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are staying hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So to make this perfectly clear for you, all you have to do is put $5 of your own money down, right? And pick a game with a heavy favorite. Pick whatever team with the money line, even if that $5 payout is only going to pay you a dollar or less. That does not matter. Right, what matters is the $150 in bonus bets that you will get when that heavy favorite wins. And then you can use that $150 in bonus bets to, to bet on uh, spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. You can bet on the remainder of the in-season tournament. You can bet on De'Aaron Fox to win Clutch Player of the Year again. Uh, or or um, uh, you could bet on even De'Aaron Fox to win MVP. He and Tyrese Halliburton have the th same odds right now on FanDuel of 3500 or plus 3500 So... There are so many fun ways for you to have fun betting on Sacramento Kings games. Use that $150 of free money that FanDuel is giving you to do that and ultimately make more money. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now. FanDuel is official partner of the NFL. There might be a lot of you in my comment section or a lot of you hitting me up on Twitter or a lot of you emailing me after this segment or while you're listening to this segment saying, Matt, I told you so. And if that's what you want to do, if that makes you feel better when it comes to Harrison Barnes, by all means have at it because you might be right. I have been a Harrison Barnes supporter, defender, and believer for almost the entire time that he's been here in Sacramento. I like 40. I like what he brings to this Kings team. I, I know the leadership that he brings to this locker room, how he impacts the positive culture here in Sacramento. But that's all fine and dandy when you're talking about the fun stories and the player personalities and you're seeing uh, uh, the, the celebrations and the defensive player of the game crown and those pictures coming out of the locker room. That's all great, right? We want the Kings to, to be friends and, and, and for the team to be easy to root for. But you know what also makes a team easy to root for is if they're winning basketball games. And this Kings team has a goal to get from good to great. And I'll be completely honest with you, the vast majority of the time, Harrison Barnes has not this season helped this team get from good to great. Sure, every once in a while, Harrison can have those big offensive nights, right? You look back to how he started the season uh, in Utah and the big night that he had, and that's great. But those are more few and far between than the nights where he disappears. Tonight, he played over 30 minutes, just four points, only took three shots, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, and two turnovers. Harrison Barnes can't guard Zion, 
You're going to hear Mike Brown at the end of this segment talk about Harrison Barnes, and one of the things he says was he thought that, that, that Harrison did a pretty good job against Zion. I tend to disagree. I think if Zion wanted to attack Harrison more, he absolutely could have. Zion could have scored and done much more tonight than he did, and when he chose to attack, he went right at Harrison Barnes, and there was little that Harrison could do. Now, to be fair, Zion is a freak of nature, right? He's a brick. But at times, the Kings switched Harrison onto Brandon Ingram, and compared to when Keegan Murray was guarding Brandon Ingram, it's night and day difference the way that Keegan was playing defense against Ingram and the way that Harrison Barnes was playing defense against Ingram. He's not giving you nearly enough on the defensive end, and offensively, more often than not, he's completely disappearing. And I'm sorry, the Every once in a while, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-point games every once in a blue moon, that does not make up for, more often than not, this trend that in big games, whether it's in the playoffs or here in a, an elimination knockout game in the in-season tournament, Harrison just disappears. And it's frustrating because you see when the Kings play a team like New Orleans, when the Kings play the Houston Rockets, when they play teams that have this length on the wing and physicality on the wing. Sacramento has no answer and your eyes immediately go to Harrison. The Kings are putting a lot of their eggs in the basket of Keegan Murray that he can become that main defender to handle opposing teams' wings. But I'm telling you, as great as he as Keegan is now and as much as he has improved as a defender from his rookie year to this season, if you're putting that much trust into a second-year player when you're on this journey to get from good to great and you're trying to become a legitimate NBA contender, you're in trouble. The Kings need more help on the wing, clearly. Harrison Barnes just has not been it. I'm getting very close to where so many of you are at, which is like ready to give up on the guy. And I don't know... Like I think the, the contract that the Kings managed to sign Harrison Barnes for around $18 million per year, and I think it's I think it's backloaded, so it's 18 and a half or something like that this year, then it goes up the next couple of years that he, he signed on this deal. I don't know if that contract's going to be hard for the Sacramento Kings to move or not. I don't know what kind of value Harrison Barnes has. I believe that some team will be interested in acquiring Harrison, but is it going to be a team that's going to give you an upgrade in return. You're going to have to attach assets on top of that. I would have said maybe Davion Mitchell would be enough, but the way Davion has been playing right now, he's missed the last two games with an illness, I believe, but the way Davion's been playing so far this season, that's not moving the needle. Now we're talking draft picks on top of that, and as you might know the or remember, the Kings' draft pick situation is a little tied up because of the, Keegan, or rather the Kevin Herter trade with the Atlanta Hawks. So... I don't know if Sacramento's path to upgrading Harrison Barnes is available right now. And, and even if you think back to the offseason, we heard that there was interest between the Kings and Barnes for Barnes to return. Then it went quiet. And we heard about rumors of the Kings being interested in, 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 in guys like Kyle Kuzma or other options out there. That kind of fell apart. And then suddenly out of nowhere, the Kings and Barnes ended up agreeing to a deal. I, at the time, celebrated that. I still think there is value to Harrison Barnes being on this Kings team. Absolutely. But the reality is this is a results league, and more often than not, Harrison is not giving you enough. I think it is more than past time. And Monty is probably already doing this already. The Kings front office is probably already doing this already. They're not lazy and kicking their feet up. They're, they're working the phones. If there's calls to be made, they're keeping their eye out on the rest of the league. I think we are on a one-way path to upgrading that starting three spot. Because everything else, for the most part, is pretty set. There were questions about Kevin Herter and that starting two-guard spot. While Kevin certainly could be better and at times more consistent, 
He's he's shooting the ball better, and he's providing much more rebounding-wise, defense. Like, to see how Kevin has grown and the impact that he's making outside of his primary skill, and then to look at Harrison Barnes, who does, at times, next to nothing, period, in a 30-35-minute a 30 to 35 minute game, it's pretty telling. That starting three spot is the spot, the biggest weakness in this Kings starting lineup right now. And the wing position period is the biggest weakness on this Kings team. Keegan Murray cannot make up for that. Even if he gets out of the shooting slump, starts shooting the three ball back to that 40% clip that we're used to and continues to improve as a defender. He is not enough to fix this wing issue that Sacramento has. So I want to hear your thoughts on Harrison Barnes because he ain't getting it done, right? And if I am starting to crack, if I am starting to waver on maybe Harrison Barnes is not the guy, maybe the Kings need to move on, I know many of you or most of you are already well down that path. So let's talk about it. Hit me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. We're not going to talk all negative here because despite the fact that the Kings lost and I'm frustrated about this Kings loss, DeMontis Sabonis deserves some love. Right? Sabonis... Wasn't a, a phenomenal game for him, but he was impactful. He was aggressive. The Kings only scored, I think, 38 points in the paint, and basically all of them came from Domas. He finished with 26 points, 8 of 12 from the field, a perfect 10 of 10 from the free throw line. You love to see that from Domas. 13 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, and a block. It's his second triple-double of the season. And some of you might have watched before the Kings game you might have watched the Indiana Pacers punch their ticket to Las Vegas by defeating the Boston Celtics. Tyrese Halliburton was phenomenal in this game, right? And and whether you're over the trade or you're not, watching Tyrese Halliburton play is such a treat, right? He had that huge four-point play at the end of the game. Also, Buddy Heald hit a big three at the end of the game, too. But it was really cool to see the Indiana Pacers knock off the Celtics, how much that tournament win meant to them. Tyrese has been playing unbelievable basketball so far this season, and uh, I, I give him all the credit in the world, right? If you want to focus on Tyrese, who had his first ever triple-double tonight in a win in the in-season tournament, just make sure you don't fall into the trap of, man, the Kings uh, the Kings shouldn't have traded DeMontis a bonus for him because I know the Kings lost tonight. It certainly wasn't because of Domas. He turned into a triple-double performance, too. Sabonis did what he needed to do for the Sacramento Kings to win this game. De'Aaron Fox scored 30 points. It wasn't his best night, period. He turned the ball over way too much. He had four turnovers in the first quarter, which is something he's done a really good job this season of limiting is his turnovers. So Fox wasn't nearly at his best. I thought Sabonis was basically the best player on the court for the Kings tonight. Malik Monk is probably a close second. They did their job. Sabonis did his job tonight for the most part. Maybe could have done a little bit of a better job against Jonas Valanciunas, but he outplayed Jonas, which is what he's supposed to do. Like, I'm, I'm not here for the, as much as, as, as great as Tyrese is and the great moment that he had here tonight, and if the Pacers are taking victory laps over the Kings, whatever. Like, by all means, do so, right? And best of luck to the Pacers for the rest of the tournament. But I'm, I'm, I'm not here for the, here you go, Kings. You shouldn't have traded Sabonis for him because Sabonis also had a good night here uh, in his in-season tournament. All right, let's listen to Mike Brown. Jake from uh, from CBS Sports, Jake Gideon, asked Brown uh, about Harrison and, and the nights when he disappears and, and nights when he's big for for the Kings. And I followed up that, uh, that Jake question and Mike Brown's answer with a question specifically about Harrison's role. Take a listen. Mike, how do you get more out of over here? How do you get more out of HB? 
it just there's some games where he goes off and he's he's very present in the game, and there's games like today where it just like looks like he's just there. Yeah, you know, he, <clears throat> I mean, we got a lot out of him. I, I thought he did a nice job on with Zion. Now, obviously, he didn't score the ball at the at the clip that you hope for, but for us to score 117 points, especially. Uh, you know, with the turnovers we had in the first half, uh, that's more than enough. We just got to do a better job uh, defensively in a ball game of this magnitude. We got to take care of the ball and do all the little things. And, and we, di we didn't do it, you know, like to give up a free throw tip in with .3 or whatever seconds is to end the half, that's not good. Your mind's not in the right spot uh, to win a, a game of this magnitude. <clears throat> Building off of Jake's question there, you, you mentioned pregame, um, like each player has helped identify their role and, and share sure. in front of the team. Can you share the specifics of what Harrison's identified role is and what you are looking to see from him on a night-to-night -night basis? Uh, you know, we're still defining the role, so it's not, you know, it, but I can tell you just in general, he's going to have to help us rebound. Uh, he's going to take on some tough defensive assignments. Right, and then you know he's gonna uh, shoot the ball when he's open. You know, I don't. The one thing that you guys have to understand is I don't call any plays for HB. Everything he does, he kind of gets off of others, and so <clears throat> you know that's gonna bring a uh, amount of, uh, of inconsistency too because he doesn't get a single play call for him. And um, you know when he's had big games, it's been him feeding off of others and all that type of stuff. And, you know, we, we didn't – I don't know if – you know, I'd have to go back and watch the film, but I don't feel like we touched the paint enough. And, and you know, they send a lot of guys to the paint. But I don't feel like we touched the paint enough. And then when the ball got sprayed uh, – excuse me, and, and then the ball gets sprayed. You know, I felt when we touched that paint, a lot of times it was to try to score. You know, and HB is, is, a, is really good – Feeding off of us touching the paint, spray happens. He either shoots it or spray, swing to him, hard close out, and, and he snap drives and gets by people. He didn't have much opportunity to do that tonight. You know, but again, you know, we didn't shoot the ball well from three, but, you know, 117 points is, uh, is plenty enough to, to win a ball game of this magnitude. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. This should be the number one app that you are using to buy your tickets, whether it's Kings tickets, tickets to other sporting events from the NFL to the NBA to MLB baseball, even minor league events. Game Time has the tickets that you're looking for. Plus, of course, they have theatrical shows and productions. They have concerts. Uh, they have uh, comedy club tickets and, and, and tickets to comedy shows. You will find the events that you are looking for on Game Time. And one of the best aspects of Game Time is that they, they're the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind. If you're trying to get last-minute tickets, Game Time not only has last-minute tickets available for you, they, have, they almost reward you for going to uh, an event at the last minute. They have last-minute flash deals on tickets that truly cannot be beaten. You can see the view uh, from your seat and before you buy and know exactly what to expect when you arrive to whatever event you go to. All prices that are, are shown are totals up front so you don't have to worry about all the hidden fees that are tacked on top of that. And You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Maybe you're outside in Doco right before the game starts and you decide, you know what, I want to get in there and I want to watch the Sacramento Kings play. Boom, two taps, you're buying
buying tickets, you're inside the Golden One Center, you're in your seat, and you're having a great time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, that's uh, the uh, redeemed code Locked On NBA, L O C K E D O N N B A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So what's next for the Sacramento Kings? They won't be headed out to Las Vegas, but they will be headed out onto the road for their next game. But they don't know where they're going yet. It's either going to be Phoenix or Los Angeles, depending upon how tomorrow night's uh, in-season tournament quarterfinals games go. If the Lakers win, then the Kings will go and take on the Suns in Phoenix for the first time this season on Friday. If the uh, Suns win, then the Kings will go to Staples Center and take on the Lakers on Friday, where they've already defeated the Lakers in that building. So if there's a more ideal scenario, it's the Suns winning, in my opinion, and the Kings having a chance to bounce back against a Lakers team that they've already had success against uh, a couple of times so far this season. Also, I have to get clarification on this, and I couldn't get a clear answer. The Kings are scheduled. In their normal schedule, they're scheduled to play the New Orleans Pelicans two more times this season. One is, like, later on this month, I believe. The other one is, like, the second or third last game of the season here in Sacramento. I don't know if now that the Kings have played the Pelicans three times, one of those games is going to be changed or flexed out. I have no idea how it's going to work. We've never dealt with this in-season tournament before and the effect that it has on the schedule. I hope a change is made because I would hate for the Sacramento Kings to play this Pelicans team five times because the Kings might be, at this point be lucky to get a game. That's just how bad of a matchup it is for Sacramento. As soon as I find out more or know more or learn more about if those games are going to be changed or not, uh, I will let you know. Overall, the tournament's not over, and we'll see how all the theatrics go down in Vegas. It's it's really sucks, and I just man, I really wanted the Kings to make it to Vegas bad. I really wanted to be able to go and experience that in Vegas, and I was planning on it. I actually had everything booked, believe it or not. Uh, we at ABC Ten really believed it was happening, but whatever. Um, I, I'm just going to, I mean, I think the in-season tournament has been a, a tremendous success. Like, I had a, a ton of fun. Like I said at the beginning of the show, like, I didn't realize how much I cared about the tournament until after the Kings were eliminated from it. And you can see how much, like, the tournament means to the Indiana Pacers. These teams, these players want to win this inaugural tournament. The Kings definitely badly wanted to win this tournament and are frustrated that they've been knocked out, right? So, I think this tournament's been an absolute success. I look forward to see how the rest of it plays out uh, in Las Vegas, and I, I hope this is around for a long time, and I hope the Kings are, are continuing to, to make the impact that they have. Like, the groups are not going to stay the same. The groups are going to change uh, every single season, uh, which is, is going to be great. Hopefully the Kings are making it past the knockout round next year and in, in future years, but I had a lot of fun with the in-season tournament. I really enjoyed it. I hope you uh, you fans did as well, and, and I think it's been just a tremendous success for the NBA, so I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. I hope you won't go anywhere anytime soon as well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. We now have three days to kill before the Kings play again. Over those three days, I'm planning on having a guest or two uh, join me on this podcast. We'll probably talk about uh, more about the Harrison Barnes situation. That's going to be a conversation that is going to continue throughout the remainder of this season. So again, get involved in that conversation, and I'll bring a guest or two in uh, to discuss that at length as well. So I hope you will join me uh, for those future episodes. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.